This is not another one of those nonsensical tutorials where they're like, how much can someone making $80,000 qualify for? They're nonsensical for two main reasons. One, what you can afford and qualify for are two different numbers. But let's talk about what you can qualify for, which is what the bank is concerned about. And I'm going to show you in this video how to figure out the exact number that works for you as far as what you can qualify for and afford. Well, let's jump back to elementary school. Remember fractions. The top is the numerator. The bottom is the denominator. I remember because D for down. Well, your debt to income ratio is a fraction. And as you hopefully remember with fractions, the top and the bottom are not weighted equally. Let's say your debt to income ratio is 50%, one over two. The top of the equation being your debt, the bottom of the equation being your income. And you add one to the top of the equation and one to the bottom of the equation. So now you have two over three. Now your debt to income ratio is 66%. And I point that out to say that your debt to income ratio or what you can qualify for is more greatly impacted by your debts than your income. Let's get into it. Welcome back to House Rich, the first time home buyer show where we provide you actionable steps in layman's terms to buy your first home. If it's your first time hearing my voice, my name is David. I have a background in mortgage lending, underwriting, and as a realtor, I purchased multiple homes. But most importantly, I've helped hundreds of people like you buy their first home in real life. Let's get into it. Qualifying versus afford. Let's talk about what you can afford first. Back in the day when I was a lender and I qualified folks, typically they come in and be like, hey, I'm looking to qualify for something around 325, 350. I'd be like, okay, cool, go through the qualification process. And then I would ask them, hey, by the way, do you know how much that monthly payment is? And typically they have no idea. And the issue with that is once you talk yourself into a price range, and the price range comes with you looking on Zilla for homes, you looking at what's around those homes, you just looking at the type of countertops, the pools, the amenities in the neighborhoods with those type of homes, you talk yourself into that monthly payment, whether you can afford it or not. A good way, in my opinion, is to figure out what you can afford is take what you're doing already. Most likely you are renting a property. So take your rent and let's start from there. And I want you to take your rent and do this. Create an actual budget, like a budget on a spreadsheet that has your rent, your car payment, your insurance, your phone bill, your internet, every single actual bill you're paying, your food, etc., and literally write that down. And so you'll see what you have left over after you pay all your bills. And also make sure you include some sort of savings and investing in that budget as well. So now you're looking at this number. If the number is zero, you probably are paying a little bit more for rent than you could afford if you're at zero after everything. If you're at a negative number, you're definitely paying more for rent than you can afford. And if you're positive, there's like a, a, um, a profit after that. Now it's like, okay, 
how much profit am I comfortable with? Like, do I want to sacrifice maybe spending a little bit more on my monthly payment to get a, a potentially better house? Or you kind of kind of do that math on your own. But let's say you've done the math and you're fine with there's $500 left over after it's all said and done. Now you work backwards from that number, let's just say 2000 to figure out what that equates to as far as a home range. I have another episode on this, but here's quickly how to figure that out. Take a number that's about 60% of 2000, which would be 12,000, and go into Google and type in the words mortgage calculator. And a mortgage calculator will pop up and put in a loan amount that gets you about $1,200 for a principal and interest payment. And let's say that number is $200,000. Now you go to realtor.com, you find $200,000 homes in the zip code that you want to be searching in. Maybe they're in a little bit rougher of an area than you want to live in. Maybe like, this is all good. These $200,000 homes are great for what I'm looking for. And yes, I realize 200K is a super low number in pretty much every zip code, but let's just go with the math here. And then you want to go to those homes and find like three or four and figure out what the property taxes are on those homes. So now we've got our principal and interest payment. We figured out what the property taxes are. Take an average, put an average on the high end for the property taxes. Divide that number by 12 to get your monthly tax payment. And then insurance is a little bit tricky. Maybe just use the number on realtor.com or Zillow, or maybe talk to an insurance agent. That's kind of going a little bit far, but that's a rough way to work backwards to figure out what your monthly payment would be and figure out what the actual home price is. So boom, now we figured out what type of home price we can afford. We've done that math there. Now let's figure out what we can qualify for by looking at our debt to income ratio. I'm a realtor in Dallas and would love to help you reach your goals of home ownership. So click the link in the description and just schedule a call no matter where you are on your journey. Not in Dallas, no worries. I can help connect you with a vetted realtor in your local jurisdiction as well. And feel free to share with friends, family, and folks. Everyone gets left. Now your debt to income ratio consists of your monthly finance debt. So we're talking about like car payments, student loans, even if they're still in deferment, we're talking minimum credit card bills, things of that nature, stuff that appears on your credit report. We're not talking about like phone bills, cable bills, and things like that. Plus your future mortgage payment. How do you figure that out? Well, we just figured out what we could afford. So we're going to put that number in that box as well. So on the top of the equation, we have our monthly finance debts. Let's say we have $500 between minimum credit card payments and a car payment, plus our future mortgage payment, which is $2,000. On the top of this equation, we have $2,500. Now on the bottom, we have our income. Some scenarios, it's easy to calculate, some a lot harder. If you are a self-employed individual, you need to go to a lender and have them calculate that number. A CPA can't do it. Your friend can't do it. Just go to a lender and have them figure out that number. And if you have like a really complex profile, like if you're not like a Schedule C employee, what you really want to do is go to the lender and have them run your file through underwriting because the underwriter is an expert at calculating self-employed income. Your lender may be 
good average or maybe below average at doing that. Most lenders can do Schedule C, like that's pretty easy to figure out, but everything else, they're gonna go through underwriting to make sure there's no unsuspected surprises. Because as a self-employed individual, most likely you are having your CPA try to write off everything under the sun. You know, live that tax-free life that folks like to claim online. Now, if you are just a W-2 employee, that's a little easier. So there's two types, hourly and salary. Let's say you're a salary employee. That's simple. You make $60,000 base salary, just base salary a year. You divide that by 12. $5,000 is what goes at the bottom of your DTI. Now, let's say you're an hourly employee. You take whatever you make hourly, multiply it by just the 40-hour work week. If you work less than 40 hours a week, check with a lender because you may fall into what's called the part-time work category and your income becomes a little different. So you basically take your hourly wages times 40, that's how much you make a week, and multiply that by 52 weeks in a year and divide by 12 to figure out what your monthly income is. Now you're probably saying, okay, well, I, I work hourly, but I work, you know, I get overtime. I may work really 50 hours a week. Or you may be like, I'm a yeah, salary person, but I get commission. I have bonuses. I have a car allowance. I have things of that nature. How your lender looks at it, they want to see a two-year history. So for instance, let's say you got a bonus, a $10,000 bonus two years ago, and then a $5,000 bonus this year. How your lender is typically going to calculate that is, since it's going down, they're going to use the lower number because it's like, okay, things are not headed in the right direction. We can't assume they're going to pop back up to 10,000 in the next scenario. Now, let's say you, you get bonus, and this is the same bonus commission over time, all, all the same. You got $5,000 two years ago and $10,000 this year. What number do you think they will use? It's not 10,000. Now, in this scenario, they're going to take an average. So 5,000 plus 10,000 is 15 divided by two. 7,500 is what they use for your bonus. Once again, if you have like a complicated scenario, maybe like you worked a bunch of overtime like one year and then it's just like it's like trickling in the next year. So you may have worked like 200 hours of overtime one year. Uh, next year, it was like 20 hours of overtime. So your overtime one year looks like $15,000 and the next year it looks like $2,000. If there's a huge drop off, the underwriter may say, hey, it doesn't look like this overtime is going to continue and they may not use an average at all. They might just assume it's zero. So in those scenarios, they'll typically reach out to the employers, but sometimes the employer is reluctant to put on writing, like overtime will continue or is guaranteed like that. So if there's like scenarios where there's huge gaps in your overtime, commission, bonus, etc., make sure you're consulting with a lender. 10 minutes later, we're finally ready to calculate what we can qualify for. $5,000 in monthly expenses, $2,000 future mortgage payment on top, so $2,500, divided by our $5,000 a month salary comes out to 50%. Coincidentally, almost like I planned it, most loan programs will allow you a debt-to-income ratio of 49.99 forever per cent. But let's say you're going through a scenario where you can afford a $3,000 a month 
payment. So now the top of your ratio is 5,000 plus 3,000, 3,500, but you still make the $5,000 a month. Now your DTI is 70%. That's not going to fly. What you do in this scenario is solve for X, X being the housing expense. So now you work backwards to figure out the max number you can qualify for. And then you would do the same math. So it's like, okay, I can qualify for a $2,000 home mortgage in this scenario. And then you work backwards to find out what the monthly payment is. So there you go. Hope that helped. And you actually learned something you can apply to any scenario, no matter what coast, state, city, county, etc. you're in. As always, buy land. Rumor has it, they're not making any more of it.